Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out about all our transparency and accountability work at chicagojustice.org. If you want uh, a little detail on the incredibly incompetence, incredible incompetence of the Chicago City Council Committee on Public Safety, you can go read our report that we published two Tuesdays ago on 20 years of their agenda items. It's in a pretty amazing read. The data does not lie. They just don't do their job. And that obviously was shown last Friday when they pushed again on the Community Commission. <sighs> okay, so for today's show, our main segment today, we talk about a demotion, or what I'm calling a demotion, promotion, propaganda by the police department recent uh, demotion of the first district commander. Um, and then we t uh, have a reoccurring segment on social media fails. Then we talk about uh, interaction we had on Twitter with uh, an anonymous account calling Cook County ASA or assistant state's attorney. And it could be anyone, but they claim to be in a state's attorney from their rhetoric. It certainly seems like they are a longtime person in the office, even though they're full of crapola. Then we talk about CPD recruiting. There's an article about um, the fact that they need to diversify and all that crap. Oh, you've seen that article a thousand times. Then after the break, we talk about backlog calls. Um, I think this is put up by Vallis, Paul Vallis, who actually basically just forwarded a video from an anonymous YouTube account. But don't worry, it was posted by the FOP, so it must be good. Um, then we talk about uh, Lightfoot's racism as a public health crisis. Biden coming to Chicago as far as bringing the feds in to look at gun trafficking. Uh, and then an op-ed, we end with an op-ed by MacArthur Foundation in the Tribune. But first, ladies and gentlemen, that report on Public Safety Committee was done by our nation program. It's a combination of volunteers and interns from all over the country that are working together on group research projects, social media advocacy, public policy advocacy, crowdsourced research projects, like the public safety one. If you want to be involved, cjpnation.org. You can find out about all the projects we have ongoing. You can find out about the leaders for each of the projects, and you can communicate with them through this website. Go to it. You can also donate if you like. But go to it, find out about the projects we're going, contact the leads, contact Sydney, who runs that for us, and you can um, get involved today. So here is our first segment. And this is an article from the Tribune, but I want to talk about the whole idea of promotions and demotions within the department in a bigger context. Top C CPD official honored for heroism in 2018 hospital shooting gets demoted. That's right. Yikes. That's right. And what I really want to talk about is how this police department, and this is a long tradition, this isn't just David Brown, but David Brown does it, our superintendent. They make great headlines about promotions. They release this press release and they talk about why and oh my God, the great qualities of these people. They milk the crap out of it. But when it comes to demotions, oh, it's a personnel matter, we can't talk about it. Wait a minute. When you're demoting, as in this case, one of the top, I don't know, 50 people in the department out of 12,000, that we need to know about. When you're demoting a district commander, we need to know why. We do. Either that or 
don't make a big hay out of when you give people promotions and honors. If you're going to do that, then we, the public, have an interest in knowing the flip side of that. In this case, the the super the district commander they demoted out of the first district was an award winner for his heroism in a I forgot the name of the hospital I don't have in front of me. Uh, it was a hospital shooting. He responded as a, he was a lieutenant at the time. He was promoted to district commander of the first district in January of twenty. I think January of 2020. He lasted about 18 months in the job. We need to know why. We do. It shouldn't just be personnel you don't get to know. No, we do. Because in the absence of this, come horrific, some stupid, some reasonably sort of believable rumors about why this officer was demoted. And if you watch any of the press conferences, the one that shot up, there was an article published, I mean, there was a propaganda piece published by Crime and Wrigleyville blog, because God, does that thing suck? They published something saying that the reason there was this demotion is that during some of the unrest, Superintendent Brown supposedly called, or someone from his office, called the first district commander and said, you need to put a car on this steakhouse. What does that mean? You need to put a car out in front to protect it. 24 hours a day, I guess, basically during the unrest. He refused, said he didn't have the resources to do it. He was less demoted. Hmm. If that's the case, we need to know. We also need to know why, because we need to remove the ability of these rumors to take root. The rumor, I'm the reason I am bringing up this one, and there are other ones that have circulated involving people, related people around Mayor Lightfoot's orbit. The reason that I'm bringing up the one with Brown is that it made it all the way into a press conference and he was asked, and he basically says, I don't eat steak, which I don't think is truthful. And that isn't my favorite restaurant. I don't have one, which I don't think is truthful. Um, but that's all he would say. That's not good enough. Now, what we know is this district commander, it was in the hacked emails that came out of Jones Day, complained about not having the resources to respond to 911 calls and other issues uh, related to the unrest during the unrest because some of his officers were taken to secure the loop, which is the first district, I mean, that makes some sense, right? Was that the reason? Was it because of the stakeout reason? What reason did he get demoted? When you're demoting someone as high up in the, in the department as a district commander, which is what's going on in this case, we need to know. The previous major demotion, and they dumped him, I think, from commander over the academy back to lieutenant, which is a huge fall, was because of training. That's also someone we should know why. We should know why. They should be told when they take the promotion that at above a certain level, if you get demoted or you have some kind of internal work strife problem, that is going to be public because it's in the public interest. 
I don't believe anything Brown says. We'll have research coming out later in the summer that proves why we don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. But I talk to people in Dallas. I don't believe him. Now, it, I just don't believe him. I, I don't know what happened here. Um, and I don't trust anything that Brown says about um, anything. So I'm not going to take him for his word that it had to be done. Um, and I would like this to be public so that we can get out of the nasty rumor business and disempowering them. Okay, we're going to go on to our second segment here. So for our podcast listeners, I'm going to read this. Is, and you can For the podcast, you can find all the images and the videos and the links to everything that we show on the show on the post at chicagojustice.org. Um, under the news section, when we post the podcast, it's all there for you. So you can go to there and get it if you're listening on Stitcher, or YouTube, I'm um, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening, Google Play Store, wherever you're listening, you can get all of that th- through going to our website. So this is a retweet, uh, retweet with comment, I guess. Kristen McQuarrie from the Tribune editorial board. Horrible, 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 horrible. She wrote a really horrible, racist op-ed related to, I think it was the hurricane in New Orleans, if not mistaken. So this is what you're doing. But she forwarded Anita Padilla, or replied, tweet replied to Anita Padilla from Fox 32 tweet. I'm going to read Anita's first. Chicago loses a young father in one of the most violent video I have ever seen during the Puerto Rican Day Festivals. This violence is unacceptable. I'm tired, with a lot of eyes, of saying the same thing over and over and over again. Politicians, politicians, aside from a handful, do nothing. And then what does she do? She is forwarding, the, um, Anita was, a post from Crime in Wrigleyville blog. Which is great, Anita, except they're run by anonymous people. They don't do real journalism. It's a political operation that you fell for. It does talk about her politics, which line up right with Kristen McQuarrie. And we have asked, actually, just for the record, we have asked Anita Padilla to come on the show and talk about this tweet. My question for Anita would be, why this murder? We've had kids drop kids out of public wind, public housing windows. We've had kids shoot kids. We had the, um, and I don't remember her name now, the shooting of the young African-American girl who was at the Obama inauguration. That was supposed to be the one that broke all the, the straws and it's finally we're going to do something. I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, if you just think average 500 a decade, we have, ever, we have about 5,000 a decade, just give or take. Let's just say I've been here 40... 71, 50 years, so let's just do 40 for 20,000 murders. Why this one? Yeah, it's not pretty, but what murder is? What murder isn't gruesome? You're tired. So are we. But we'll get back to that. Let's go to Kirsten McQuarrie. Um, definitely someone you're looking to for a um, rational, thought-out judgment. I quote, 
And, and voters keep voting the politicians in. And Chicago police are working 12-hour shifts, no vacations, many of them today unable to celebrate Father's Day. They're exhausted, no contract. But let's see what's on the city council agenda for this week. Nothing that really matters. Yep, just the community commission. But nothing that really matters. Okay, let's take Anita. We talked in the last show... We talked in the last show on uh, Monday about a New York Times article, how about people are incredibly bad at identifying crime trends. And when they are asked to, they almost always get it wrong. They always do. Everyone thinks Chicago's the mortal capital of the world. You know why? Because the media sucks and they keep saying it. You know what? It isn't true. They're seventh. Seventh. Murder capital of the U.S. Seventh. This New York Times article I'm talking about from, you can go look up on YouTube or um, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter. They pulled almost 60, 50, 60,000 people, depending on the response numbers. It's unbelievable. They can't do it. You know why? Because the media sucks. You're tired of saying the same old thing. You report the same thing. You push the agenda of the same damn politics, the same political responses. That's all you do. You get the same thing and you get the same results back and you're complaining about it. But you won't identify yourself and your, your, your profession as the problem. Your profession exploits, like politicians do, exploits violence for clicks. You've exploited violence forever. Not maybe you personally, but your your company, Fox 32, and all of the media in Chicago and all of the media around the United States exploits violence like crazy. That's what you do. That's what the mainstream media does. And you're complaining about it and tired of saying the same thing. All you do is back the same thing. All you call for is the same thing. There is science, although McQuarrie and Anita Padilla have no clue and no clue in reading it and no true in believing it. More cops don't help. Longer sentences don't help. Doesn't help, doesn't help, doesn't help. Science proves that. Broken windows in New York, a failure. Massive, epic, unprecedented failure. You know what? New York crime and violence was going down before that. Caps in Chicago, such a huge thing. Community policing, bullshit. Bullshit was going down before. Crime was going down before caps even started. Crime went down around the country in almost all the same levels. Reduction, pink, 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 pink. All over the country, all at the same time. We know locking people off for long sentences doesn't work. We know adding more cops to the street doesn't work. But that is what Anita Padilla and McCleary there are pushing. Because Anita Padilla, that's what the crime and the will pushes all the time. Don't talk, they have no clue what the hell they're talking about. They don't care. If I were to bet they're white guys, my bet white guys, and I think they're connected to the, I think they may be prosecutors that actually uh, run and own Crime and Wrigleyville blog, whether or not they're the editor or not that person supposedly a Cranes. Because it's all anonymous, theoretically. Listen, is it what happened there at the Puerto Rican Parade horrible? Yes, but every murder's horrible. So if they wouldn't have pulled him out of the car and shot him and they'd have just shot him on the street, that would have been okay. That wouldn't have been the last straw. What are the other murders over that weekend? Why didn't one of those cause it? Why didn't one of the murders from the week before? Or the week before? Or the week before? Or the week before? Or the week before? We can keep going and going and going and going. Right? Like the bunny, the battery commercial dummy. Bunny. Every murder is horrible. And until this city and this country thinks that way about every murder, nothing's going to change. Anita, change the way you're reporting. 
connect the economics of the city, the TIF tax increment financing program of the city, connect that to the murders. Then things will start to change. Being a voice for retrograde policies that don't work, and we know and science proves it over and over and over again, you're not helping anyone. I don't care that you're tired. I don't care. I'm tired of hearing journalists saying they're tired who don't do anything but keep repeating the same shitty journalism over and over and over and over again. That's what you have. That's what Fox has done. That's what every TV station in Chicago has done. That's what every print publication in Chicago has done. Um, you exploit crime for clicks and viewers, and you tease these things on the news to get them on, get viewers, and then you complain about the violence. It's time the media some, took some personal responsibility for the violence. Speaking of personal responsibility. So here is a tweet, because this is a uh, tweet with, I think, tweet reply. Um, fourth district, because this is what the police do every time they take a gun off the street. Now there's a picture of it on Twitter. See, we're doing our jobs. No, you're not. But that's okay. And the tweet from the 4th District, this is a, uh, the main tweet is from Cook County ASA. What the hell they are, who the hell they are, we have no idea. It's anonymous. But they quote the same retrograde policies that crime in Wrigleyville do. And may be the same person for all we know. They may be sitting in cubes next to each other in the prosecutor's office if this person, male, female, or otherwise, is actually a prosecutor. We have no idea because they refuse to identify themselves. So the 4th District uh, tweet says, 4th District ta Tactical Officers placed one in custody and recovered one rifle after a traffic stop was conducted in the 7700 block of Stony Island Avenue. Great work by work by keeping the city, our city, excuse me, our city streets safe. Yeah, great work. You confiscated a gun. Cop of the year. Congratulations. Okay, Cook County ASA. Hey, Matthew Saney, who's the... Um, Chief Data Officer from the Cook County State Attorney's Office, who, by the way, and Kim Fox and Sarah Sinovic, I'm not sure who that is, but it's someone with Fox's office. What do you think possession of this weapon intended to do with it? The possessor of this weapon intended to do it. Did Chicago police arrest the right person? Were the nuanced conversation we should have about folks who carry weapons like this on the street of Chicago? So what is this idiot talking about? And I use idiot in the most pejorative way humanly possible. I would say worse, but, you know, we're not supposed to do that. So last week, I think, it may have been the week before, but I, no, I think it was two weeks ago now. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office did a webinar of sorts for journalists in Chicago using their data and said, we are, we are, the Chicago Police Department, their number of gun possession of arrests Averaged like 300 from 2012 to 16 or something like that. And then started shooting up to where it's 1,400 now. And in 2021, we're on pace to beat that number. And most of those people don't have records. And only 20% of the guns confiscated during those arrests were connected to any crime whatsoever. And basically what Fox was able to prove using her data is that the people you're arresting are not people that are mostly responsible at all for any kind of gun violence and certainly not repeat offenders. Right? 
but Cook County ASA, and we've gone back and forth on Twitter, you can see it, whoever this idiot is, was like, and what he's trying to say here is just merely possessing a weapon without a FOID card, firearms owner identification card, or having your gun registered is a violent offense. It isn't. It isn't considered a violence offense anywhere in America, and it's never been considered a violence offense in the criminal justice criminology world ever. Never, ever, 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 ever. The Uniform Crime Reports from the FBI started in 1930 has never considered gun possession a violent crime. It isn't a violent crime. You haven't done anything yet. Cook County ASA, whoever he, she, or they may be, is pushing that. And so they're like, you have this weapon. You're obviously a violent criminal. No. And here's the funny part, and I went back and forth with them on Twitter. Prove intent. And this is what this idiot said. It's obvious. You obviously haven't sat on a jury because that's how juries know. Also, what you're saying is you convict people by lacking mens rea, which is a requirement for any conviction. Guilty mind. You must have intent to commit the crime. Because you just say, person of color, bad gun, bad person, they, they were, it's violent, send them to jail. And he, she or they, basically admitted that. Admitted it, right on Twitter. They should uncover this person and then fire them, if they're doing that, because those are wrongful convictions. He, she, or they are getting into the mind and doing mind reading. Mind reading. That's what they're doing. Why? Because they have no evidence of intent. They have no idea what they were going to do with the weapon. They don't have any intercepts or texts or phone messages knowing they were going to go shoot someone or it was a hit. They don't know. They need mens rea to make that conviction. They don't care. Now, whoever is behind Cook County ASA doesn't care. Crime in Wrigleyville doesn't care. Um, Chicago Contrarian, those lunatics, they don't care either. Neither does, believe it or not, Superintendent David Brown. Now, he's full of crapola. We'll have something coming hopefully next week to just show you how much crapola he's on this subject. And lies, 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 lies all the time because that's what he does. Right? That's what he does. And so does our mayor on the subject. Gun possession is not a violent crime. We're not going to police our way out of it, she said a hundred times. But that's all she tries to do. It's a joke. And these people are trying to change something. They're trying to do like a Jedi mind trick on the city. And get everyone in the city to think, oh, violent, possessing a gun is a violent crime. Four decades in Chicago, most of those people, the reason the city only arrested 300 people for gun possession is I would bet most of those people were felons who got caught with weapons. Or people they caught in the act of going to try to do something with that weapon. Which if you look, right, because they were said about 1,400 is what the state's attorney said, they are now making an arrest, and about 20% of those a year are turning up to be related to any crime. Well, here you go. That 280 is close to 300, right? That's what 20% of 1,400 is 280, so 300 a year. In previous decades, what would happen at the bond hearing, the preliminary, the first hearing, is the judge would say, do you have any background? Why were you carrying a weapon? I need it for protection, Your Honor. I live in a bad neighborhood. Do they have any background, do they have any priors, do they have any connections to gangs? No, no, no. And they would toss it. 
toss it, toss it, toss it. They take the gun, but they just kept tossing all those cases. Now the police department's using those numbers as propaganda and pushing it all on the state's attorney and courts and saying, you're bad for not letting, for letting those people out. It's bullshit at the highest order being done by our mayor, our superintendent, and utterly corrupt police officers and political operations like Chicago Contrarian and Crime and Wrigleyville blog and that milieu of people who are trying to push this mind switch in Chicago because let me tell you, some people are racist in Chicago. They may not surprise you. Um, that's why the same people are not voting for any changes in financial policies of the city. Why would they do that? They like it just the way it is. They like the South and West Sides deprived. They could care less. Okay, we're on to our next segment. CPD must do... CPD must do a better job of recruiting, holding more frequent exams to counter tidal wave of retirements, Mayor says. It's a Sun-Times article. All right, I'm going to repeat myself. I've talked about this before. Ladies and gentlemen, is it a bad thing that we have a large amount of retirements in the CPD? If you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, the CPD hasn't had, hasn't had mandatory refresher training up until like the last year, maybe. So if you get officers that are over 20 years on the job, 20 years or over, they haven't had any training, especially if they're just patrol officers and they haven't moved up and all. They haven't had any training in person. If they haven't gone for like any specialized training, they haven't had any refresher training in 20 years. 20 years. The FBI, by the way, gets it every year. CPD, none. I'm not so sure it's not a bad thing clearing out cops that have been there forever, done things wrong forever, and bringing in new blood. Hopefully better trained, um, and hopefully not is indoctrinated into the blue wall of silence and the cover-up culture that is the police department. Secondly, are we surprised that there's a bunch of retirements given 2020? I'm not. Every time you see a push for accountability in the police department, every time you see that, ladies and gentlemen, there is a slew of retirements because officers don't want accountability. They don't want it. They never have, never will. They don't want it. So let's get to the article. Here's a quote. The Chicago Police Department needs to do better and more aggressive job, a more aggressive job of recruiting minorities and holding more frequent entrance and promotional exams to counter a tidal wave of retirements, Mayor Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot said Monday. Well, you got to tell you something, Mayor. We're not really good in the police department of recruiting black people and brown people. I know it's going to be hard to believe. And you think in a post-George Floyd, post-George Floyd protest, post-calls for racial justice and defund the police, you're going to have a huge turnout from black and brown communities? You're kidding me especially after all the follow-up cases that have come out of shootings, ain't happening. Seems pretty um, ignorant to me to some extent to think that's going to happen. Here's another quote. We've got to do a better job. Even in, those even in these challenging times when law enforcement is not viewed in the most positive light, it won't change and it won't get better if we don't have diverse people in our neighborhoods who look like the people in our neighborhoods they are sworn to serve and protect. 
I'm all for diversity. This is something the Panthers talked about, the Black Panthers. It don't make much of a difference. I'm all for diversity, but black officers will beat and shoot black people just as much as white people. Latinos will, cops will shoot Latino people just as much. I don't think it makes a difference. Um, I think the, the people would be just as fine with just a less brutal, more controlled, more held to account police force. Yes, we want it as diverse as possible, no doubt about it, but let's not bullshit around what we think that for some reason, acting as brutal and horrifically as they do, just changing the person, the, the color of the person's skin is gonna make a big difference. It didn't. Look, we went from a white superintendent with Gary McCarthy to a black superintendent with Eddie Johnson, and that was supposed to be the saving grace, and he did absolutely nothing. He was a zero. He may have been negative on accountability. So let's get to our liar-in-chief president of the Fraternal Order of Police, John Cotton Zara. He's always good for a quote for uh, a lie. You can quote him on a lie any day of the week, seven days a week. Now remember, ladies and gentlemen, we have research coming out maybe in two weeks or so on Mr. Cotton Zara's time with the Chicago Police Department. Now... Before we read the quotes, remember, he has 50 unique or close to 50 unique individual complaints against him, most from internal sources, his colleagues, his bosses. This is a guy that should be holding people accountable as a police officer, don't you think? So keep that in mind. It should be in front of every time he's quoted, that should be in front of it. In fact, the media should just stop quoting the guy. And by the way, he's in front of the police board now, um, most likely going to lose his job, which means he's going to be fired from the police department, and then he'll lose his job as FOP president. At least we won't have to read his quotes anymore. Fraternal Order Police President John Contanzara has blamed absolutely miserable working conditions for the mass exodus, meaning 12-hour shift, canceled days off, the constant threat of punitive action, and a four-year wait for a new police contract. Yep. Now, he's lied a couple times on there, so let's take that one. The 12-hour shifts has only been for a short period of time. It was with the unrest, but hey, that was going to happen. Everyone knew it and you knew it. If it was ever unrest, you were going to have to do that. The constant threat of punitive action. That's right, because the police department, we're working on research on this, is so good at holding officers accountable, you can get fired for anything, even though that is the biggest lie in the department. And we're going to prove it, prove it, prove it, or at least we're going to prove how little, how much they hide the data that could actually prove it. Um, in a four-year wait for a new police contract, no one gives a shit. That's an absolute lie. No officer on the street cares about the contract other than John Contanzara. They care that they're getting a new one, and they care that they're going to get back pay. Whether that takes a year or two or five, it doesn't matter. It's a propaganda point by liars for the department, John Contanzara being one of them. Remember, Paul Vallis, we'll have him on the show next week, an interview with him. We were supposed to have his interview recorded earlier today but he had to postpone because he's helping the FOP negotiate their contract with the city so the interview will tape next Wednesday and it will either be aired on Friday or the following week um, but he's pushing that too so is Fioretti and so Alderman Lopez and all the police supporters it is a bullshit propaganda point from liars 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 I continue with his quote the department just doesn't give a damn. You are literally treated like a running mule and ridden until you can't go no more. Can't go anymore. And then, on the next, today's hero, tomorrow's zero. Said Kanzar, who has been at loggerheads with Lightfoot. Loggerheads? Who elects a guy who's in the top 1% of the department in complaints? And all those complaints from internal sources. 
How is he a source of credibility on anything other than this is how you rack up complaints from your, your bosses and your coworkers? Ladies and gentlemen are listening or watching, think, could you keep your job if there were 50 written, signed, and under oath complaints about you from coworkers and bosses? Who in the hell keeps their job? You know who does? A Chicago police officer. That's how riddled and horrible and horrific and incompetent and broken the Chicago Police Department is and our police accountability system. John Conzara is still employed. It's unbelievable. I continue. They are not supported. They are in fear that this department has become so retaliatory for every little, even honest mistake. It's not worth risking your job, their employment history, or even worse, their freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, honest mistake. Jason Van Dyke shot Laquan McDonald in cold blood 16 times when 10 other cops on the scene were waiting for a taser in a nice, organized, professional manner. All those cops covered up. Some of those cops got caught in the cover-up, and they tried them, and they didn't be found guilty. They should have been. That's a ticky-tack thing. Once again, Cotton Zara is lying. He's lying. That's what he does. I think Cotton Zara probably tells a couple lies before he gets out of bed in the morning. This is what he does. He's in a highly political position. He shouldn't even be quoted. They shouldn't even be quoted. Who, who quotes regularly one of the worst people in the profession? Who does that? The Chicago media does. He just can't help himself in the lies, and we're going to publish something in about two weeks or so, and we'll have um, Lauren back on the show to talk about it when we do, but it's coming out, a history of John Cotanzara's complaint history. It's going to be very, very illuminating. Okay, we're going to take a break, quick break, one minute, and we'll be back with you about, and you can get some information about our nation program. Remember, ChicagoCJPNation.org is our activist website if you want to get involved. We'll be right back. One minute. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today. CJP Nation. Okay, we are back. Now, ladies and gentlemen. We're interviewing Paul Vallis about this and other issues. He has, we've had him on the show earlier in the summer, I think, last summer, um, maybe early fall, to talk about financial things. Now we're going to get in. He talks all the time on online about justice stuff, and he is just absent, no clue, no clue. And he is spouting out the police line. He's spouting out the FOP line without an, a scintilla evidence to back up anything. So let's take a look. So here was what I was talking about. If you go to this YouTube channel, it's anonymous. So you don't know who's 
doing it. Now, I bet you it's the FOP or maybe Second City Cop Log, but it's someone of that ilk. I don't like David Brown. I said earlier in the segment earlier, I think he lies almost every time he opens his mouth. But this is Paul Vallis talking about, we're talking, this particular Facebook post is about backlogs. What is a backlog, you ask? Okay, so when a police district does not have enough resources to answer a call, it will get backlogged. It'll get stacked up with other calls. Now, districts that have more violence have more cops than districts that don't 98% of the time. Even on the weekends, those districts, well, mostly on the weekends, I should say, not all and the weekends, but almost exclusively on the weekends, there is a backlog of calls. David Brown's like, this is kind of normal. Paul Vallis, the FOP, Chicago contrarian lunatic, uh, lunatic fringe there, crime and rehabilitation blog, I'm going to have to come up with a name so I just covers all of them. It's saying it's not normal. It's a staffing issue. Ladies and gentlemen, there have been backlogs in Chicago for decades. They're called RAPS, Radio Assignment Pending. Radio Assignments Pending, RAPS. Now, would you love a city where there were no RAPS? Sure. But remember... A police department, because of the union contract, and it's huge, is not able to staff how any other normal business would staff the department. So I had a district commander, that uh, um, friend of mine, that he was a watch commander at the time. And I asked him about, he was in a district that would have wraps on the weekends. I asked him about that, he goes, well... If it wasn't for the union contract, we would have more officers working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe four 10-hour days. And we'd have more cops working, especially at night, the evenings. And we would have less cops working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's just how we do it. And any business would do it. They know from the calls for service, which, by the way, we have metadata. We have all the calls for service back through sometime in 2011, and we have a portion of them going back to 1999. We're looking for funds to analyze them. We're looking for people to help us analyze them. So if you're interested, let us know. But we don't have wraps. They won't get that. We're going to have to sue for them soon. But you can tell from the call for service data when you're busy and when you're not. It's not hard. So if, the, if it wasn't for the union contract, the police department would have staffing set up in a way that there would be more cops working probably four 10-hour days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the evenings, overnights, and less Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's simple. Any business would do it. You staff up for your busy times and you downstaff for when you're not so busy. It's not a hard concept. The union contract doesn't allow that. Now, part of the reason is they want to, you know, make the shifts more universal. And I understand that, but that's not servicing the public. That's not servicing the department. It's not helping meet the ends of the department. It's not keeping communities safe. Now, 
Another reason they're doing that, ladies and gentlemen, is they want to force the department to hire more cops. That's exactly what they want. They want more cops to get rid of the raps. Now, remember, this was a uh, Facebook post from Paul Vallis, who's helping the CPD negotiate their contracts. Paul Vallis, the FOP, Cotton Zara, Crime and Wrigleyville, Chicago Contrarian, all these people are like, raps are because we're understaffed. Now, this is the same thing they said and have been saying for decades in Chicago. Under Phil Klein, he pulled resources out of district and made these special roving unions. They went horribly wrong. And they always do go horribly wrong at one point or another. McCarthy ended that and put more resources in the district. There were still raps. Now, David Brown has once again come in and made these special roving units, and it's pulled people out of the district. And Paul Vallis and that ilk of people are saying, well, it's because we have understaffed in the districts. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the key question. What should staffing be? They don't have a god damn clue. They don't. Now, you say, how do I know they don't? How do I know? Because I have the staffing studies the Chicago Police Department's done. I have them. I have them, ladies and gentlemen. They don't follow them. Now, how was there some number around 13,750, 757, 785, something like that. That was the number of Chicago Police Department is budgeted for, or was budgeted for, but Rahm refused them, uh, reduced them, then Rahm brought them back, and so it's somewhere in that range, right? Lightfoot just cut 640 positions out of the budget or 460 positions out of the budget. Well, we're not fully staffed. So they had this 13,700 number. Well, where did that number come from, you ask? It is a politically negotiated number between, I believe, Phil Klein, but may not have been him, and Alderman. That's all it is. It's a totally made-up, fictitious bullshit number. Not drawn off of data at all. At all. I had sources in the Research and Development Division. I had sources within the high ranks of the department. Looked and looked and looked and looked, and no one could find out where that number came from. It's a politically negotiated number. It's not based on any data. Now, the department hasn't done another staffing study since around 2011. It's not the easiest thing, and it's also not the hardest thing to do, but they haven't done it. So what is the FOP basing this off of? That politically negotiated number. Now, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that, there was this event. I tried to find it on KMTV. I couldn't. They recorded it at Loyola University for the Illinois Criminology Association or something like that where I spoke and some other people spoke from the FOP and some other uh, horrible Loyola professor. And I was the first one. I was kind of set up. So I broke about whether or not Chicago is the right number of people. And I said they should do staffing studies and release them publicly and then base those decisions off those numbers. And I said, none of, my co- none of the people that are about to speak have ever done one, including the union. They're not pushing for a study because of one of two reasons. One, they're scared of what it will say or they'll know what it's going to say and it means they need less cops. And the FOP got up to speak next. And what the FOP person said was, blow your socks off. It's, I quote, it's not our job to know how many officers should be on the street. Think about it. They don't care, ladies and gentlemen. They don't care. They just want more. So if they don't know how many officers are needed to staff the entire department, how do they have any clue about any one district? They don't. 
there's some BS number that was created for this district out of some political process. And if that number isn't exactly that, then it's short. And this is where you get Dallas saying, well, the department's short. What are they short from, Paul? Prove the number they need. And then we'll talk. They don't have a clue. They have no proof. Zero evidence. None. Not a scintilla of evidence. That's just a talking a talking point from the FOP and the police and the cops. We're short, we're short, we're short, we're short, we're short. You're short of nothing except brains and truthfulness. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. It's that they, those studies are mostly done off calls for service. You can do it off calls for service and incident data. If we had funding, I have all the data that's needed to do these staffing studies. I just need funding. And we could do it publicly. No bullshit. Out in the open. So that's, that's one thing. So these calls back up. They're going to because we can't move staff. The union contract won't allow it. The union contract's being negotiated now. John Cotton-Zara could say, you know what, we're going to allow you to staff up, especially in, in all the districts, but mostly the ones with the most violence and crime. We're going to allow you to staff up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And cut staff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Why not? It's what's needed, but they don't care about what's needed. They care about what they can negotiate for more cops from. That's what the that's what it's all about. That's what it's about with Vallis, CWB, all of them. Ah, uh, Kristen McQuarrie, Anita Padilla. They're basically pushing for more cops, more cops, more cops. There's no science that shows it works at all, but they don't care. Okay, we are going to go on to our next segment here. This is Mayor Lightfoot. It's a Chicago Sun-Times article. Racism is a public health crisis in Chicago, Mayor declares. She's not wrong. She is right. But I don't care what she declares, ladies and gentlemen. I really don't. I care what she does. Is there money behind it. Are you changing the finances of the city, the economics of the city, how public resources get distributed to make a difference in these communities? There've got to be what? 1.5, 1.8 million people living on the south and west side, something like that, because it takes up, let's say, two thirds of the city. I quote from the article, Chicago, ah, Chicago Health Commissioner, Dr. Ellison Arwadi, announced that $9.6 million in COVID-19 relief funding from the CDC would be dispersed to six healthy Chicago equity zones. Yay! Now, does that sound good or what? $9.6 million. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, they spend approximately $1.6, $1.7 billion on the police department. And Mayor Lightfoot here is going to spend all of $9.6 million to address racism in Chicago and health disparities in Chicago. What do you think that's going to do? Also, as another data point, the city collected in 2019, I don't know what it was in 20, but it should be close, $929 million in tax increment financing money, $929 million. An off-the-book slush fund for the mayor, and she can spend it on whatever she wants. 
she's going to spend 9.6 of federal money trying to make up the disparities in health in Chicago. Now, am I wrong or does that seem like total crapola? Like, sure, great, 9.6 million, wonderful, Mayor. Add a zero to that and it may make a drop because right now you have a drop and a drop and a drop in a bucket. 96 million would be a drop in the bucket for what's needed to deal with racism and health inequalities in Chicago. It makes for a good press conference if the media is stupid. That's it. It's insulting. They spend, the city spends hundreds of millions of dollars a year, ladies and gentlemen, building all those cranes you see in the loop, the South Loop, the West Loop, Fulton Market. Most of those are partially or fully paid for by the city through TIF money. And Mayor Lightfoot is going to spend all of $9.6 million in federal funds. Federal funds. To bridge the gap in health inequalities for hundreds of thousands, if not 1.2, 1.5 million people of color in Chicago. On the south and west sides. If I got those numbers right, I think it's pretty close to that. It's great rhetoric. The commitment is lacking. This is politics. This was a propaganda hit. Nothing more. What is $9 million going to do for the south and west sides? What is that? Now remember, that $9 million is being broken up by those six equity health equity zones. So $1.5 million for a health, one per health equity zone. It's um it it's just BS. It's a propaganda hit. Like, yeah, sure we'll take the nine point six million, but you know what would really help? Ninety six million. You know what would really help? Nine hundred and sixty million. How about a ten year plan? Donating, putting in ending all the tiffs, taking all of that money and putting it towards the south and west sides for ten years. To not only deal with health inequality, but jobs, education, housing. Put a real plan together. Not this. This was just a propaganda point for the mayor. I hope she's happy. We're going to get into our last segment of the night. We're going to push the op-ed um, about the MacArthur poll and op-ed in the Tribune uh, till Friday. Um, so this is our last segment. It's a Sun-Times article again. We're hitting the Sun-Times hard today. Biden's Justice Department launching drive to curb gun trafficking in Chicago. Hey, hey, so what is Biden proposing? Let's go to the article. The Justice Department on Tuesday announced the launch of five cross-jurisdictional firearms trafficking strike forces within the next 30 days to help reduce violent crime by addressing illegal gun trafficking in significant firearms trafficking corridors. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it's going to fail. <laughs> They'll make some high profile arrests, but it will fail. The proliferation of guns is widespread. So they're gonna find they're gonna identify these these five cross sectional, cross jurisdictional firearms trafficking uh, 
corridors. And the people who want guns are going to find other corridors. It's going to fail. But this makes people happy. This is more or less a waste of funds. We keep throwing resources down the justice system while Biden and Lightfoot and others around the country say, oh, we can't arrest our way out of it. But all they do is try to arrest their way out of it. I want it to help, but it won't. It will send some people that get, would have gotten caught up probably on Chicago sentences and state sentences to federal prison. Um, but in the long term, it's a fail. And the commitment won't be long term. And you're dealing with the alphabet agencies of federal agencies who, you know, are less accountable than the police department is, believe it or not, probably, and less ethical and probably to some degree less effective. But let's continue with the article. The concept of sending more resources to Chicago is not new. On July 22, 2020, John Lausch Jr., the Chicago-based U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, joined then Attorney General William Barr and then President Donald Trump to announce the expansion of Operation Legend to Chicago. Operation Legend was a consolidation, a consolidated push by local and federal law enforcement officials to fight high levels of violent crime, particularly gun violence. Wait a minute, so we need another level of federal intervention in Chicago and these corridors beyond this, beyond Operation Legend. Now, has anyone heard of Operation Legend since they announced it? The reality is gun violence is up all over the country, related mostly, I bet, to pandemic, um, pandemic pressures on everyone's lives, especially the poor, black and brown communities are the worst hit. Until people start getting back to work in mass, these things aren't going to change. It's the same tired solutions. It's the same politics. Um, they're going to probably these things are going to start waning as the as the pandemic starts to wane here. And um, there'll be a correlation between this program starting and the drop in crime. And they're all, well, yay, we did it. Although they didn't do it with Legend. Wonder what happened to Legend. Someone should ask if Operation Legend's still going. But that'll most likely be what happened, and they're all going to claim victory. Even though they, they're, they have addressed none of the social circumstances that are causing the problems they're, tr they're trying to address with this mandate approach. It's nothing new. It's fail after fail after fail from the Justice Department the city of Chicago, the police department, these federal alphabet agencies, they fail, 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 and they keep going time and time again over the same thing. They can't help but fail. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate you tuning in. Remember, we're here every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 530 Central, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. You can catch us all live. You can comment and ask questions during the show from any of those platforms. We are also on Instagram and TikTok now. I think that's it. So um, catch us there. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you Friday at 530 Central. Uh -huh.